And now, for the 100th time, doing what many said could never be done, it's one small step for their podcast, one giant leap for the podcast world. From their golden voices to your inner ear, live from Calvary Bible Church Studio A in Grand Junction, Colorado, it's the Calvary Cast with Graham Parker and Jess Miller. Wow. Well, thank you, Bob, for that. I have goosebumps right now. I know. Illustrious. That was amazing. Introduction. And thank you, audience. Yes, what thank a, you. Listen to them. You're too kind. Too kind. What, 1,500 strong in here, you think, today? I would say at least. Yeah. Too kind, too kind. Too kind, yeah. You're making me feel a little, you know, yeah. Thank you for all holding your applause now. Warm yeah, there's just something about epic music, you know. Wow, that this, was real powerful. This is an know. epic episode. It is. 100. 100. And actually, it should be 100.2. <laughs> I don't remember doing this 100 times. It's but when you love what you do. <laughs> No, it's just what but what else can you I say? I know. But it does it just seems surreal. Yeah. A hundred times. Hundred times. Well but more than that, because we did record a hundredth episode last week that was an abysmal failure. Oh, that's right. And uh that's why we didn't. But I'm glad we didn't because I've probably spent too much time ruminating on this and coming up with things like I'm not gonna tell you how long it was it took me to get that intro thing down. Uh but more time than is necessary. But it was fun. I laughed. I I'm hope glad you, you enjoyed. I hope it. the listeners laughed. I certainly chuckled. We have some bubbly to drink today wow, to celebrate, to commemorate. Some uh, sparkling white grape. Yeah, good job. So we we should propose. A, I think we should propose a toast to ourselves. Okay. Here, I'll open this up. Are Christians allowed to propose toasts? I've always wondered that. I don't know. I don't know. Can you hear this in the thing? Oh man, I can't open it. You're not going to hear a pop oh. like you should. You're going to hear a twisting of a <laughs> twisting of a cap. All right. We should propose it to so think about a toast. What are we what are we toasting to? Um to to a hundred heartwarming, uh inspiring podcasts <laughs> and to a hundred more. And a hundred more. So I thought about this. We could do a hundred more or we could announce our retirement today. We could do that too. But let's not that. So to a hundred, to a thousand more. To a thousand more. To the Calvary cast forever. I don't know. And then you take here, it. Here, here. Here, here. So I hope you, oh, that's really good. That is actually really good. Really I hope refreshing. You, uh, dr- uh, people out there, joined us in that toast. If not, I should have told them to pause and to go grab a glass. And okay, can I tell a real funny story that just Please popped do. into my head? Yeah, because I'm looking at this bottle of Welch's sparkling white grape. That's really good. Non-alcoholic. It is right. Clearly says on there non-alcoholic. So I went to prom with my girlfriend. And another guy who was a friend and then his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And then there was one single girl that came with us. So she kind of, I think she felt awkward. She was the fifth wheel. Yep. And so we go to this restaurant and we sit down and they bring us what looked like a bottle of champagne. Wow. And we're thinking, because we were like 16, (laughs) 17 year old kids. And so we're thinking they gave us champagne or whatever. So, yeah, I'm sipping a little bit of it or whatever. So the fifth wheel girl starts acting like she's drunk. <laughs> she starts acting goofy. He's like, oh, this stuff's good or whatever. She starts acting like she's intoxicated. <laughs> we looked at the bottle and found out it was non-alcoholic. Oh, oh I bet she'll never forget that. <laughs> oh, 
that was funny. Did she think she was actually? Or yeah, was she? I think she thought, well, maybe in her mind, because we right. were all thinking, like, this is weird. They gave us champagne. <laughs> and then we found out later it was just non-alcoholic. So then did she instantly snap out of it? She's like, oh, wait. Oh, well, yeah, she just kind of acted like, well, uh, you know, or whatever. I don't know. It was just really bizarre, but it was, it was awkward. I kind of felt oh. awkward for her the whole night anyway. Wow, that's really funny. That's actually really good. So anyway, yeah, this is a delight. This refresher. It, it actually is really good. I'm enjoying it. We get it a lot. Just you know, when we, the only time we get this mm-hmm. holidays. Yeah. So like at our fa- like maybe Thanksgiving, Christmas, we'll get the. Well, there's like four bottles left in the fridge here. I'm assuming it's from the youth group thing. Oh wow. We could use it in communion, but it'd be kind of. We should have like the actual cork one. <laughs> so it's like, as we're doing it, that's part of the tradition. <laughs> You know, whatever. Oh, man. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, I don't have any uh, anything else. We're going to do a special. So since it's our 100 episode, we got lots of things lined up. Um, I reached out trying to find suggestions for what we should do. And there's a couple of ideas of like read, you know, 100 things that you like about your podcast or your church or the gospel or doctrinal statement. Yeah, that sounded... <laughs> painful <laughs> so i thought you know what would be better and read, then go read 100 th- chapters from the <laughs> or <laughs> i had thought about one second from each podcast clipped together to a hundred long se- you know and you just take second one from the first episode second two oh, so no. it'd just be this jarbled mess of ridiculousness that would have been a, that but it'd be a hundred painful hundred painful episodes or hundred painful seconds yeah. So I decided, no, that will work. What would fit with our podcast is not taking ourselves too seriously. Like we have, oh, you're getting loaded over there. <laughs> this stuff's really hitting me hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's running right to my head. This now. is like the first episode all over again. We're just <laughs> giggling the whole time. Uh, so anyway, what would be better and more uh, fitting with our podcast would be to do the top 10, because it's close to 100 minus 90, top 10 least listened to episodes. So I'm going to read these off to you, and you're just going to react. All right? Here we go. This should be humbling. All right. Episode starting with 10, working our way down. And this is actually, there's actually 11 here because there's two that had the same amount. Episode 97, read your Bible. People. That was one of the least <laughs> That's what I at said. Calvary Bible <laughs> Church. What? Oh, that's what I said too. All right. Episode 46, Isaiah 714. We did an episode on that passage, and people don't care about it. Was that the agricultural one that you did? No. Oh. That one isn't even on this list. Oh, because, see, so I could have swore that one was going to be on here. But. Biblical. Oh, gee. <laughs> thanks. All right. Number eight, episode 96, A Christmas Extravaganza. I don't even remember what that episode is about. Yeah. Why would that? People don't like Christmas, and they don't like the Bible. I guess. Here's, it, it's getting worse. Episode seven, Calvary and Missions. Wow. That's episode they don't 94. like missions, Christmas, or <clears throat> the Bible. Now, some of these, because they're later episodes, they haven't had as many listens over time. But come on, people. Get with it. Yeah. There's no reason to delay. When an episode's released, listen to it right away. I know. You should be ready for it to right. drop. And just at any second, exactly. you got to turn it on. Episode 90, Who Should I Share My Suffering With? That's number six. Episode 99, the last one we did is number five, The Fear of Man. 
Okay, but now that could be explained because it's so it's the new. Newest. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, it's been out for like two weeks. But right. All right. I Maybe wanna, they're afraid to listen. They're afraid to, to listen to it. Could be. Uh, I do want to draw attention to a bit of plagiarism. A little podcast called Pastors Talk stole our topic and just released an episode on the fear of man. That means they're listening to us. Jonathan Lehman, Jonathan Lehman, Mark, Mark, Dever. Mark Dever, they're listening and they're like, that's you, a great idea. You're Let's listening do to it. us. You think that we're just some little nobody? I know. And you think you just steal our topic without asking us? We, Jerks. Yeah, we need an attorney. All right. We have two number fours. These both had the number, the same amount of plays. Uh, learning to lament. Now, that hurts deeply because that's right. the one I did by myself. Yeah. I'm going to lament that. You're going to lament that. Episode 89. The whole Bible is for the whole people of God. Come on, people. You're not one to listen to podcasts about the Bible. Wow. That's this, is, that's, this is really enlightening right Really now. enlightening. Yep. Number three. Okay, we're getting down to the bottom here. Tough Text Tuesday on a Wednesday. The passage on 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35. So that's the one uh, where we talked about uh, did not permit a woman to teach. That's because we did not give it the name I wanted to give it, which shall rename, <laughs> remain nameless right now. Okay. All right. We're down to the last two. Episode 91 is number two, a midlife call to the mission field. Now, that one, okay. I'm really surprised, is yeah. that low because that's the one I did at the Floyds, and, and that's that was, a really, really good. good interview. Yep. So this is not a knock on the Floyds. This is a knock on you listeners. That's right. Why have you not listened to that episode yet? It's good. It's one where we do the least amount of talking. I know. Come it's on. really good. Good episode. All right. Episode... Number one, the least listened to episode. Oh, my music is over. Well, we should probably have some sad music here. Episode 93, a testimony of the grace of God in Jan Miller's life. Okay, now that's really hurtful. The episode about your mom. I know. Okay, now I'm hurt. <laughs> I'm, that was a great episode. <laughs> yeah, I thought the so too. The two of the best episodes we've done, people have not listened to. <sighs> so here's... I think the, we need hit to the bottle. Real, <laughs> I mean, we need to trade this bottle in for some real stuff here. Oh man, we're having to too much drown fun. my sorrows oh, at this point. I couldn't believe that. I was like, really? That was a that was a good episode. So, people, I expect to see the numbers rise on some of these episodes. You missed out on some good stuff. Go listen to episode ninety one and episode ninety three. Help yeah. us out a little bit here. Yeah. So, all right, <clears throat> that's all. That was fun or hurtful. Well, it was fun a little bit, and then it got hurtful. Okay, we're introducing a new segment today. Culture Corner. This is a little segment we're going to do, maybe never again, but I thought it'd be an opportunity to address broader issues. We don't typically do that on a podcast. We're not a reactionary because we're not smart enough, and everybody else is doing that anyways. But I have been asked, I don't know, have you been asked about this thing? That we're the uh, Asbury. Asbury Revival. I had a number of people ask me about it. It's been all over my social media feed. Have you had any? You don't have a social media feed. So. I don't have social media. I have seen it on YouTube. I do have YouTube, which is a form of social media, and it has popped up on there. Yep. That's true. But nobody's asked me about it. Nobody's I don't think, really. I may, maybe Natalie did. Yeah. So I mean, I talked to I've had a number of conversations about it. And uh, so I have a few thoughts. So I'm just going to give these thoughts, and you can react to them. Now, um, and the thoughts come from one. And it's probably dumb to even talk about this because my historical understanding of revival is very limited. My scriptural understanding of it is pretty limited. It's not something I've studied 
like hardly at all. But I still have thoughts because I do. I always have thoughts on things. And so maybe you'll think these are dumb. Anyway, I was reading Martin Lloyd-Jones on Revival because I thought I'm going to want to go, I want to go read somebody I trust, historic person who's thought a lot about Revival, taught on Revival, preached about it, different things like that. So I thought Martin Lloyd-Jones would be good. So I read an article and some sermons and stuff from him on Revival. And a couple of things that he brought out that I thought are really helpful and they're things that you should look for in a Revival. Okay, and so the first one he just talks about, there's an Acts 2-like element to it, right? You know, Peter's preaching on Pentecost and the Spirit falls. Now, I don't think you would say that's a revival per se because it's a different thing, but it's there's an element to that. And the other thing is there should be like true gospel preaching, like real preaching. Uh, there should be in a revival, there's a greater awareness of the holiness of God. There is a greater awareness of personal sin, conviction of that, and repentance from it. The cross of Christ is seen more clearly, and then out of that flows this zeal for evangelism. So, now, the Asbury thing, I'm not trying to—I'm not throwing stones at it, per se. I'm asking questions. Hey, okay, these are things that seem like they would be good things to be. Do we see those things there? I don't know. That's to be determined, okay? So— uh, the other thing that's helpful, here's a short definition. This is Ian Murray. He wrote a book called Revival and Revivalism, and he quoted a guy named Solomon Stoddard, and he said that a revival is some special seasons wherein God doth in a remarkable manner revive religion among his people. So that's what a revival, according to uh, to Ian Murray and Solomon Stoddard is. So with that in mind... I had a couple of concerns now that have arisen to my mind with the Asbury thing. And again, that doesn't mean that it isn't maybe. Of course, like a lot of people have said, time will tell. We don't. We don't. We can't. It's hard to make a judgment on it right now. The what, my first concern is the the preaching, the sermon that started it was pretty meh in a way. Like if you go and listen to it, I didn't listen to the whole thing, um, but I, I, I've read some other things on it. The gospel's not really present there, so it seems to me that it's hard to start a revival when there's no gospel in the, the message would be my first thing. My other concern, and this probably is my my greatest concern, there has been, I mean, tens of thousands of people from all over the world have gone to Wilmore, Kentucky, and they go because they want to experience the presence of God in a unique way. That's kind of a re- recurring f- refrain that you hear. And I think that's there's something problematic about that, right? Because, like, we believe the the presence of God, the Spirit of God dwells in us all the time. And so there's almost this, I don't know, journey to Jerusalem, journey to Mecca type of thing that could be present in people's minds, and they want to go and catch a little bit of something and bring it back. I don't know if that's a biblical way of, of understanding that. And then my third concern would be the preaching has continued to be kind of meh, right? Like the I watched another service as a woman that was preaching and wasn't great. So... Now, at the same time, there's some reports that there are some really good things, and it seems like they've not let this thing get out of control. I saw online some people were talking about there's a real problematic false teacher that was there that had attended and was enjoying it, and he was asked to leave. So I thought that that was a good thing, um, and it seems to be orderly and, and things like that. So that's my thoughts. Do you have any thing? Well, no, I just think it shows that we got to be discerning with this stuff, right? I yes. Mean, um, well, time will tell, I guess, what comes of it. Well, more probably down the road is where you're going to determine whether it's revival, right. not just based on, you know, what people experienced or felt there or right. whatever. But um, I think 
to me, if it, if it were a true thing from the beginning and God working and what I heard, you know, at the end of that message, there was a call for confession and what started was like a hundred of the students just came forward and Mm. were confessing sins and praying and all that kind of stuff. Well, that, Hey, you know what? To me, I'm like, that's great stuff. Something then that might have started really pure and just for that school. Yeah. Maybe the Lord was, was working real true conviction in their hearts and, um, change. I, I, I'm afraid in a, in a social media driven culture and publicity, you know, the publicity, something that was probably maybe pure became not so much. Right. And, um, I am not an expert on revival, but I have heard in many of the revivals, that's kind of sometimes what happens. Mm. Like there's good things in it, good things that come from it, but then it gets exploited and, um, gets ruined as mm-hmm. soon as you know thousands of people start showing up down there, and that's where I, my skepticism comes in. Yes. Says now it's now what was probably a really good thing is going to be um, ruined. And I'm thinking like instead of going down there and experiencing it, why not stay where you're at and pray? Yeah, you know, for it, and then pray for the what they're seeing there where you're right. at and for an outpouring of the spirit instead of thinking like, I want to just go be part of this thing. You know, I, so I, I don't know. There's skepticism there for me, but also at the same time, like in the beginning, it might've been a very pure thing. And for those students, you know, that if there's life change there and there, then from this point on all about the gospel Mm -hmm. and the God uses it. Good. I just think that anything that gets that much publicity and becomes that popular can be ruined. It can, Mm -hmm. the purity is gets robbed from it, you know? So, I don't know. I don't know. Those Time are will tell, though, and it's it's interesting. I don't recommend anybody head down there, you know. I, especially um, since they're shutting it down. Yeah, especially since it's time to go back to class. Yeah. And so. Um, so. Anyway, those are some thoughts I thought I'd share, and yours are better. Time for the uh, topic of the day. Topic of the day. So our topic today is preaching. Preaching. Well, there's kind of a fit there, isn't there, down at <coughs> the it Asbury is. Revival? Right, and that's actually kind of where the sort of in research and all this came out. And I realized we've not done an episode on what is preaching. Okay. And <coughs> now we'll really see. This will be one of our top ten least listened to ones. Probably. They don't like the Bible or missions <laughs> or my mom, and so they're de- you know they're definitely not going to like this one on preaching. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. So we're talking about uh, preaching. And I just lost the thought I was going to have. Must no, have been a lie. Must That's have been a lie. what my grandma used to say. So what, we're talking about preaching. Oh, no, I remember what I was going to say. Well, our first two episodes, I think, were on liturgy and worship and all those things. But we didn't talk about preaching. We didn't talk much about preaching. So let's talk about preaching. That sounds good. Go for it. Preacher. Yeah, so what do we want to... We just want to talk about what is preaching, right, first. Yeah. I mean, to start. I know yep. what we're talking about, but like just to start out, what is <laughs> preaching? Because, you know, preaching is one of those things, interestingly, that... Um, it's almost like it's it's harder to define than it is when you it's, hear it, you know you're listening yes, to it. Does that make sense? That is exactly it. And uh, But the word simply, the, the Greek word for preach, so like let's say 2 Timothy 4, Paul says preach the word. The word, Greek word is uh, keruso and has reference to proclaiming something, right. almost public proclamation, um, 
carries with the idea of it in an authoritative way, mm-hmm. you know, something uh, was being proclaimed as coming from somebody else. You know, you were heralding uh, that to others um, and with some authority. So the idea of preaching, I think, is throughout Scripture. The uh, You know, you see it in the office of the prophet who would mm-hmm. come along and say, thus says the Lord to the people of God, mm-hmm. and they would sit and listen, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have, um, and, and in those instances too, we'll probably get to this, but as I was looking earlier, like Ezekiel, right? It, it is like, go and preach to this people is what the Lord is right. saying. And there's this, the spirit is kind of carrying him along, enabling him to do that. So there's yeah. a spirit empowered ability to proclaim yeah. this message from the Lord. Yeah. And that's why what we see in preaching now in our churches largely is where you're going to observe preaching. It's one person standing in front of everyone else. They're all listening. Mm-hmm. It's not dialogue or interaction. Mm-hmm. And at least here, there's, there is an authoritative tone that comes with it because what you're declaring then is, what you're preaching and proclaiming is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. The, the distinction between a preaching gift now and what we do in the church and the prophetic gift is that the preacher now has to be cautious because you mm. can't say everything I say is the word of the Lord mm. and um, and without error it, you know etc so it's like you're preaching what has already been revealed and written down right whereas they had received something directly and you even have in the New Testament the office of prophets still happening um, the gift the special gifting of prophecy prior to the New Testament being completed. So I, you know, it comes with uh, it. It's uh, it's a proclamation. It's proclaiming things. We're told in Second Timothy four, we're to proclaim the word. So we're given the um, the, the parameters, the content. Okay. Uh, Peter says, if anybody speaks in the context of spiritual gifts and the speaking gifts, if anyone speaks as the oracles of God, which gives you both the content, you know, the words of God, and that authoritative nature of it, hmm. you don't. Uh, I like what. One one of my professors said once he said we're not up there offering suggestions so mm. it's it's a very uh, bold thing and you're saying mm. here from this text is what God has said this is what this means and what we're doing mm. I think sometimes the question comes in what is the in what you and I were talking about before was what is the difference between preaching and teaching yeah and um, as I thought more about that in the last couple of days. Um, I I don't know I I know that you could hypothetically teach without preaching, hmm. but I don't think you could preach without teaching because right. to me, uh, preaching comes with um, that carries with it the idea of teaching. So like in Second Timothy four, um, Paul says. Uh, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with complete patience and teaching. Hmm. So clearly when you're preaching the word, it's going to recruit it's going to happen when it's popular or not in right. season and out of season, but it's going to contain reproving, rebuking, right? Exhorting. That's a very important word with complete patience and teaching. So he's saying all of those elements of reproof and rebuke, exhortation, 
and then how you're doing it with patients. That's all making up preaching along with teaching. A part, uh, it, yeah, I would say all those elements and some more actually right. probably they contain that. That is really the the content of the sermon. Yeah, you know, and what you're saying and how you're delivering it yeah. and that kind of thing is going to be with, with all a part of that. So you could have teaching apart from preaching, right? Maybe like a lecture form. A lec- it would be a lecture. A lecture. With, with absolutely no application at all. <laughs> you know, right. it would just be, here are the facts of, you know, I'm imparting to you information. Mm-hmm. That's really what teaching is. So if you had a sermon, and I'm just going to, that was largely the impartation of facts, but had a little bit of application towards the end, would that be preaching? I don't know. Because I, I do think there is more... There's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. How I describe it, I don't know. Or like even how you would nail it down. Right. Because there is a, um, it's like what, I, I put it this way. A lot of times like like people, the you know, true Christians, they, they couldn't really sit here and parse out what is preaching, but they know it when it's happening. Right. Right. I do think like what, when Paul talks about First Thessalonians 1, there is a, spiritual gifting it, it's being accompanied by power people are seeing things from the word they're not just learning but they're actually being exhorted hmm. uh parakaleo uh to to respond to what they saw hmm. you know the whole concept of james one you know don't just be a hearer of the word be a doer hmm. and when when a man's preaching he's calling the people of God to believe something or feel something or There's stop a, doing something or a, start a doing response something. that's designed. That's right. Well, I think that um, that video that I sent to you, he did make the point that preaching is you're seeking to move someone, right? Mm-hmm. That you see your people are in one spot mm-hmm. and the goal of the sermon is to move them to where they need to be. Yeah. Would that be part of that exhortation? I think so. And... Um, one caution with that, because when he was talking about that, to me, in in good pastoral preaching, you're you're careful to not you're careful to not be like my people are here and they right. need to be over here. I think in good pastoral preaching, there is a we're all kind of here and we all need to get there, right? Right? Because you're we're all disciples together, right? It's not this I'm over and above you, yeah. and trying to move you to where I am, right? Right, but yeah, no, it's it's, and the reason I caution that because that is how a lot of those guys mm. were kind of. I don't know about him, right? But I'm just saying his generation because you showed me that video. I was, yeah. and a lot of them were kind of taught that, mm. you know, distinction either directly or inadvertently yeah. that like you've got this all down and get them on board with right. this or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so we don't want to do that. No, but that exhortation, you know, is key to me. That's part of the preaching process because it's it is a a call to change but it also as we know from the new testament can be translated in places like comfort Hmm. um comforter counselor so not all preaching has to be this necessarily in your face you're screwing everything up now Hmm. get it right but that it actually can be very encouraging and comforting to the people of god too uh Brian Chapel, the, have you read his Christ-centered preaching? Yeah, that was the textbook for one of my my homiletics okay. class. Yeah. Well, the Christ-centered worship one, he just has one chapter on preaching. I was reading through it earlier. I'd read through part of it before, but he was talking about that whole aspect of, uh, basically, if you preach more in that kind of 
do more, try harder way, it leaves your people very discouraged. Right. And he said, I couldn't understand in my early years of preaching why people told me I was gifted and a great preacher and all of this, but my people were more addicted, more depressed, mm-hmm. more not joyful, fighting, and why was it? And he's like, I realized... I was preaching in that way. I wasn't preaching the gospel to them, right? That's right. basically preaching a list of do's and don'ts and do more, try harder. Yep. And it was really uh, deflating yeah. for the church. So he was just talking about the evidence of what kind of preaching you have is really seen in the lives of your people. Yeah, and I think that's a key part uh, to put, point out. We're gospel preachers. Right. So <clears throat> it's got to be, um, there has to be the... When Paul says preach the word, and there is an element of that that's preach the message. Mm. So the whole message of Christ and the gospel and how it, you know, lays to bear in a Christian's life and that kind of thing. So there's so much involved in this idea of preaching. But, um, you know, I think that what we do, if we were to just boil down what we do here at Calvary, you take a text and... You get the meaning out of that text as you're studying, then you're you're forming it into some kind of outline and then applying it to the people of God. And it's really, it's not overcomplicated, but all of the points are coming from the passage themselves. So it's not the preacher's idea. It's not about current culture. I mean, you're going to bring in your preaching. Sure. You're going to show how the Word of God really applies to current culture and things going on. But it's not like, that's not the topic of your sermon, really. It's it's proclaiming the word and teaching the word and exhorting the word and rebuking from the word and correcting all those and training in righteousness, all coming out in that one act of preaching that is, um, and that's the kind of preaching we're talking about here, which is just um, to a congregation or whatever. Then there is evangelizing preaching, and I think it, that can be done. In, in other ways where it's just proclaiming the gospel to people and calling for salvation. and Is that like we see that in the New Testament, you know, where, where Paul's been, he's going into the synagogues and he's preaching and yeah. there, that's lar- that's largely evangelistic preaching yeah. that he's doing in I that think, context. I think a lot, a lar- yeah, that would be a lot of that. However, he was also taking the scriptures, sure. teaching, and then showing how they point to Christ, so right? what about, and I, and we don't know who the author of Hebrews was, but many people have observed that it lays out like a sermon. Right, yeah. And like to me, that's like a perfect example of somebody, of a, of a sermon and right. preaching. Like yeah. if, if you could write it down in that way. It had all, it had all do- sorts of things. All sorts it of things. It has the teaching and instruction, rebuke. Yes. But also... Warning. Warning, encouragement. Yes, Hope, gospel, Christ-centered. You're right. I mean, and it's it, and it's and it's expounding on scriptures, right? Yes. It's going through the Old Testament and saying, yep. "Well, this is what this means," and yeah. and so it's the perfect example of what a sermon should look like in many ways. Yeah, and probably a good example of what those early sermons, if you would have mm-hmm. gone to a church in that first century, would have been like. Yeah, the apostolic type of teaching and preaching, hmm. and uh, we do do things. You know, now there there are times when you might do larger just topical type sermons like that but in the main now what we do here is taking passage by passage and in some ways that's safer because we're we're not um tempted then to draw other Mm -hmm. things out of their context and Mm -hmm. what we could do we can go through a book of the bible and learn that now so it's so much more challenging when you're not just walking through 
a text yep, yep. to try and deter- determine what I'm going to say. And then you are tempted by like, well, I think I need to address this issue f- in the church from right. this, right? right. Preach underhandedly at somebody or yes. preach against a cultural thing when, you know, if you just preach through the text, you're going to hit all of those things. You're trusting the Spirit's going to do his work through the Word and just regularly explaining that. Yep, that's right. What mm-hmm. I What I tell people is if you're going somewhere else and... You listen, just watch how they handle the Word of God mm-hmm. and watch even how the pastor or preacher or whoever's up there handles the Bible because yeah. that's the text. Right. And that's that's where we're getting all of our information. That's mm-hmm. where we're deriving our points so that we can be as close as we can to being able to say, this is what God has said. Now look what he said. Now let's do this yeah. in response. Um, I think a couple of things that are, and I was listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones again, the preacher, preacher preachers and preaching. Yeah, a series of lectures he gave, also yeah. a book, turned it into a book. Yeah, good stuff. But um, like one of the things he he talks a lot about, and he, and he said the same thing. Like it's really hard to nail down mm-hmm. what preaching is, but you can say a lot of things about it. Yeah, and you can say a lot of things that it's not. Right, right. And so I thought it was helpful when he says it's not a verbal commentary. Right, you know, it's not a dialogue. You brought that out earlier, but I do think it's interesting. Like we try to, uh, so often in in modern churches if i can use it that way we try and take away the authoritativeness mm-hmm, of right, preaching right and that's why you sit down to preach that's why you preach from yeah. a from a coffee table instead yes, right a pulpit a pulpit yeah. you know you you want people to feel engaged and you ask lots of questions kind of in a dialogue type format and he's saying that's not preaching right because it's missing that authoritative element yep the other thing and i think this is important too because um Right, we understand that preaching is a, a work of the Spirit through a person, and and many times in the Testament, I think about in First Corinthians one and Second Corinthians four, it's done through human weakness, mm-hmm. right? And that's mm-hmm. what Paul is saying, mm-hmm. and so there's this element of uh, there is like I think for you, you have a, a giftedness to be able to preach the way that you do, uh, but yet there's human weakness there in mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. and a lot of other people there humanly weak and it may come out in their preaching style right Mm -hmm. like they're just not as captivating of a speaker but yet they could still preach Mm -hmm. authoritatively the whole counsel of god uh the gospel do all these things of exhortation rebuke and yet and the the lord always works through that yeah you know and that's a helpful reminder yeah it's helpful and it's it's humbling because you you if you're preaching of course you want to you want to be polished and right you know good or whatever and um and there's there's it's it's truth that's coming through humanity and personality and uh limitations mm-hmm. you know intellectual limitations and grammatical limitations <laughs> yeah. and all those those kinds of things and uh that's humbling mm-hmm. but yet uh but yet that's what God uses, mm. right? That's what he blesses. And, um, yeah, so I know exactly what you mean. It's a, it's a, that's why it's humbling. Yeah. But Martin Lloyd-Jones said, you know, I wouldn't cross this. He said, I wouldn't cross the street to hear myself preach. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he's like, I've heard some good, the preachers I really like, you know? So, but. Um, uh, I have maybe two other questions. One, I didn't ask you about this, but beforehand to think about it, but, what do you feel a burden to preach? Did you feel a burden to preach? And mm. how did that, how did that like become known to you? Yeah. So, um, 
it really the first time I actually got up in front of the church and spoke other uh it was in the first church we went back to when I was saved. I never was a public speaker before that. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to do this. Didn't want never even crossed my mind. But um they had asked me about to get up and talk about um just a top. They gave me a topic. Let me just put it that way. And I I got up there and I spoke about it. It wasn't even from the Bible or anything. It was just a topic they asked me to talk about for a few minutes. And I did well at it. And my dad was like, wow, you know, you were able to get up there and do all that. Well, I think it was right around that time where God started laying in my heart a desire to share the word that I, or share what I was seeing in the Bible, like with others and with the church. And so that's kind of how that started evolving is I was asked to do some devotionals and different things. And then, yes, then actually wanted to be a preacher. Hmm. And I think that it was more down the road where I recognized that in the main pastors are preachers. So mm. the pastoral element that came later in the beginning, it was all about like reading about Spurgeon, you mm. know, and, mm-hmm. and, and others that just really got me into the thinking about preaching right. and that. So that's how that kind of happened. And I do feel like, yeah, I feel like even though it's very unnatural for me, cause I'd rather not, I'd rather work in the sound room than I would be on the hmm. stage preaching, just to be honest. Like I that's just personality wise, you're talking personality about. wise, temperament wise, I feel like I'd rather be behind the scenes doing things, but then I have yeah, I think there is a inner impulse to want to preach hmm. and and that grew and more and more opportunities just open up for me to do things like that. So uh this is turning into a Q&A here real quick, but could you talk about the labor of preaching? Like the work that it takes yeah. to prepare a sermon? Yeah, I think most preachers have what they call love-hate relationship with preaching <laughs> because they love to preach, but they it's just, it's every week that you're, you've got, okay, I'm getting up that time every Sunday, sometimes twice, you know, mm-hmm. if you're teaching at night or whatever, and this has to be ready. And so there's a lot of, labor that goes into it if you really want to make sure that what you're saying is from the Bible and that God would approve of this message, (laughs) you know, like at the bottom, God, like at a political, (laughs) God approves of this message, you know, but that takes a lot of work. Yeah. And it does. Um, And I've never been content. I can honestly say I'm not a perfectionist in much, but when it comes to like, getting into the like being sure that I'm I know what I'm gonna say and that what I'm saying is right mm-hmm. and that I do put a lot of thought into that and um and I and so that just takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And and the problem is for me, the way I work personally, I can't mechanically do it. There are certain things I do that are just what I do every week. Like I'll take the text and if it's in the New Testament especially I'll uh, write it out in Greek. I'll print it out in Greek and English. And I'm just looking at it, making notes and trying to figure things out and connections and that I go through a process, I guess, but I can't make the text open up in a sermonic way. I can't. So I have, I so depend on God and I really enjoy it when he kind of helps me like Wednesday do that. Yeah. You know, maybe Thursday morning, really solidifying things. I don't like it when it's Friday and I'm like, (laughs) I don't know if I like this. I don't know. I don't feel that peace about it. But so it's a love hate relationship. I remember hearing that and I got that from Dr. Casillas, who was one of my 
pastors in the past, like, and he was like, I just have a love hate relationship <laughs> with this idea of getting up every week because it, it is a, it can be work, but it is yeah. later. Paul calls it first Timothy five labor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, those who labor yeah. in preaching and teaching it. So it's work, but yeah. Okay. One last question. Uh, would, who would be your favorite preachers? Current, like current, present, like, like you can or, listen to them. Yeah, or like from all time. I don't like maybe the most influential to you, or when you think about this is really good preaching. Mm-hmm. That's who you'd go to. Yeah, probably uh, Martin Lloyd Jones. As I read through his sermons, sometimes I'll I won't read through those till after I put my thing to yeah. get my sermon together. Because you can read his sermon. Uh, listening to him is fantastic. You can listen to him too. Yeah, but just reading it. It, yeah. I, like I, I remember reading through the Sermon on the Mount book when we were preaching through yeah. it. I'm like, I'm affected by it, just reading his sermons. Yeah. And I, I guess I resonate with a lot of the ways he does things because I'll, I'll put my stuff together and maybe reference his sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't do this every week or right. anything, no. but I'll read what he says. And I'm like, man, I'm encouraged because I'm like, that's what I kind of saw yeah. and that's the direction I would go. So I guess I, it just resonates with me the way he does things. John MacArthur was really influential um, early on, especially. And, um, and then, uh, Mark Minnick was another one. Most people won't be very familiar with him, but he's, uh, down in Greenville, South Carolina. And I still listen to him hmm. weekly now hmm. and, um, stay up with his, his messages and that. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, there are others like I, I know, uh, my the pastor of the church when we came out of here he kind of he was very passionate in his preaching and mm. it kind of i guess gave me permission to be that way mm. at times and then so there were other influences that i thought mm. were were good but yeah that's probably that's probably probably it. the main ones cool all right anything else to add on this topic no 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 right. i think this is good this is our hundredth anniversary 100th episode. Episode on yep. preaching. So we should do a hundred. It's on preaching, so we should do a hundred sermon marathon <laughs> in a week's time. We'll start our own little Calvary uh, revival of preaching. So are you going to preach a hundred sermons yes. over a week? We'll just do a marathon of a hundred, <laughs> but they can be like ten to fifteen minute sermons. So we a little should shorter. talk about the length of the sermon. That'd be a whole other topic. Like, is yeah. it a sermon if it's under or over a sermon? I don't, I don't think there's a time. All I right. think it could be 10 minutes up to... So then there are certain people hours. that are listening saying, well, then how come your sermons are always over 10 minutes? I know. I know. I think, yeah. Well, that to <laughs> me seems like a reasonable time. Yeah, a 35, 40-minute mark is a reasonable time to get through a passage. So Cool. All right. Well, we hope this has been helpful and enjoyable for you. We are desire for the people of Calvary Bible Church is that they would be better students of the Bible, love the Bible better, and thereby love love the Lord. We'd love to hear from our listeners, so you can reach out to us if you're part of our church by giving us a phone call, sending us a text, talking to us on a Sunday. If you're outside of the church, send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. We're always looking for feedback, for podcast suggestions, uh, things like that. You can always go share the podcast if you like it. You can share it, like it, review it, do things like that. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God and the good of his people and the Great Commission. So until next time.